What's going on, everyone? My name is Chris Tondevold, and this is Ambition Radio. This is a podcast where I interview indie artists, content creators, athletes, and small business owners who share how they continually discover and maintain a balance between their life, family, career, and the pursuit of their passions, dreams, or hobbies. In this episode, we feature Christina and Anne from the band The Infinite Daisy Chains. It was a great conversation as we get into how the band started after being inspired by their honeymoon, how they attempt to balance their online performances and presence with their drive to play live shows, and being way too excited to use Excel spreadsheets to make your life better. The Infinite Daisy Chains have an upcoming live stream show at The Pocket DC on May 22nd at 7pm with special guest Amanda Dove featuring Chief Lowe. Check out The Pocket DC's website at www.thepocketdc.com for more info about the event. They are accepting donations on behalf of the artist and the venue too. Christina and Anne just dropped a limited edition handmade screen printed t-shirt and buttons featuring the surrealist designs of multimedia artist Kenzie Rail. They are taking pre-orders for merch on their website at www.theinfinitedaisychains.com. Also be on the lookout for all new music dropping from the Infinite Daisy Chains this summer. They will be announcing release dates on their social media accounts at the Infinite Daisy Chains in the upcoming weeks. I'll have all their links in the show notes, so make sure you check them out. One sneak peek about the record is they mentioned they are excited to be working with Jake Ingalls, their friend from Psychedelic Rock Outfits, Space Face, and The Flaming Lips, who will be providing mixing support on their records. That sounds pretty good to me, so make sure you check it out. As always, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts, follow me on Spotify, and share the show if you can. Thank you for everything. Here's the show. Enjoy. So you guys right now also have a nice little uh, whammy nomination, I think, right? Somehow. (laughs) And I swear to God, it wasn't me nominating myself, although that would have been pretty funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it's uh, Best Electronic Techno Group Slash Artist, which I was like, we're not. Well, thanks. I wish I was techno, but right. (laughs) I'll take electronic. And then Memory Lane, a single we released in September got uh, nominated for best pop song. But there's so many nominations for pop songs. It's yeah. like, <laughs> good luck. Right, right. That's, that, I think that's pretty awesome though. I, I, think, I think the same with you because I was listening to some of your stuff earlier. And I was like, electronic techno probably doesn't fit the right genre. It's, I guess it's more like dream pop kind of, right? Yes, sir. It's definitely dream pop. We kind of jump around a little bit. We do a little bit of rock. Right. When Ben Tufts plays drums on our track, <laughs> then it's obviously got some rock flair. Yeah, he definitely spices things up every once in a while, doesn't he? Yeah, for sure, for sure. But I, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. I was like, this that definitely doesn't fit the genre. But when when you guys were making music, was that style of music something that you were interested in pursuing, or is that just like a, a conscious decision or like a natural stuff as far as the music process goes for you? I think deciding on our influences or deciding where we were going to go sonically depended on our influences and what we've been experiencing in in the recent year or two. And and I think to go back to how we started as a group, it's really about the story of us. You know, we're partners in music and in life. And we went on a honeymoon experience two years ago at Desert Days Festival in Lake Paris, California. And it was awesome awesome because we saw some throwbacks, uh, My Bloody Valentine. We saw, we also saw Slow Dive. So, you know, 
for fans of shoegaze music, that right. was iconic. But also we saw some of our big influences, such as Pond, Gum, and Tame Impala, ended up working with Pond's mix engineer for our music as well. So it's, it's gone full circle. So I think pulling from our influences is what how we sonically define ourselves now at this point. But we're evolving. That's awesome. Uh, that I think that's a, also a really great story with that. I mean, you, you're getting immersed right away into like everything shoegaze with that festival for sure. The emotional impact of that too is really awesome where you're able to have that, that honeymoon experience and basically capture all the idea, I would assume, is just capture whatever you were feeling in that moment and trying to bottle that up into song form. Is that right? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, when we went on the honeymoon, we actually hadn't even started this project yet. Okay. But the honeymoon kind of just inspired it. You know, when we got back, we um, we knew we wanted to do some kind of musical project. But yeah, we were just talking about the experience and how we would turn that experience into sound, like all yeah. the different scenes from our honeymoon. And we ended up kind of storyboarding out an album of sorts and thought, hey, maybe we should just produce this ourselves and get into production and yeah, try to bring that vision to life. That's that's really, really cool because I think the the emotional moments or just those moments in time are hard to kind of capture and articulate too. Like all all those feelings that you were having in in there and trying to bottle that up into an experience that other people can share, I think is a difficult task sometimes because you want to be able to connect with whatever they're feeling and hopefully bring your good memories and your good feelings to them as well. So I like the idea of you guys storyboarding this. That's pretty interesting because I don't I don't usually hear that. Like usually you just start playing music and be like, oh, that's a cool riff. We should do this. Absolutely. But that that kind of like grand scheme of things is, is really interesting. So was that something that you guys were just talking consciously about when you were starting the the writing process? Yes. What happened was, as you may know, we we've our, our past is that we've been in several DC bands, local bands through the years. Mm-hmm. And we also observed countless shows working at DC 101 together on the promo staff for years. So we saw two sides of, of, of you know, witnessing bands and also being in bands. And one thing, you know, you weigh the pros and the cons, being in a group with maybe five or six other musicians, and then they specialize in their their particular field, maybe they're right. a drummer, maybe you're a bassist, maybe maybe you're the lyricist. And so I think for Ian and I, it's like, oh, I would come to the table and I would play violin. I'd specialize in my role. And and so in this situation, years later, we we consciously decided we don't want to just show up, plug in our guitar, play our role, and and write. It's very easy, much faster to write a song with a group of people. Yeah, It goes much faster. That's the positives. But also, maybe the downside is the lack of vision on what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, maybe different people have a different vision that they want to achieve. So it may not come across as cohesive to listeners. Right. But for us, we actually you know, took a break from any sort of band stuff and took some time to just exist in the world and think about <laughs> what we want to if we were to start our own project what what would it ideally be like and right now we're doing that that's that's great with your history did you feel a little burnt out with some of the bands that you may have been in before and that was another reason for possibly that break too to kind of reevaluate 
what you want to do and what it meant for you to actually become or be in a, a, another project? Yeah, I don't know if burnt out is the word I would use, but I would say like I was a little overwhelmed. I was playing okay. in multiple bands at like the same time and then started like a new job that was pretty hectic. And yeah, I just thought it'd be nice to change things up. I was getting a little bit into production back then as well. So it seemed like something interesting to explore and uh, try to figure out. And so just felt like a good time to take a break and yeah, just chill out for a little bit. I think I would say, I don't think we had the intention like, all right, we're going to quit the quit our bands and then make a new right. project. No way. <laughs> yeah, we weren't really thinking about that. But we kind of quit our bands like and kind of got married. You know, we were getting married that yeah, year I as mean, well. Yeah, I mean, it was like, let's just try to get through <laughs> this wedding and all, all that goes with that. <laughs> yeah, lot. let's try to live our life a little bit. Like, yeah. I, I think it would be good to like put our own relationship a little further ahead than maybe the project that we're working on and have life experiences. I think that's that's actually really important because especially with with what I do as far as interviewing people, if I don't have some experiences that kind of match that, right? So you can't connect as well, right? So you want to be able to like live out in the world a little bit and actually experience some stuff. So that way you can actually get hopefully a little bit more inspiration, a little bit more connective tissue with another person too. So I I really, really like that approach in there. Absolutely. Especially if you contrast it to now with coronavirus and... I don't know about you, but every day is Groundhog Day. Right. It's great that we have a well of experiences over, I'd say from 2018 to 2020, we went on some crazy trips. Like we went to, (laughs) we went out to California several times. You know, we went to Nashville, worked at Ocean Way Studios with Linda Perry. Like it's just crazy. We went to Euro trip. We went to Austria, went to the discotheques and the underground. I mean, we, we, we experienced life and it's, it's a contrast. To, to right now, but right now we're really just in the dojo and just trying to right, translate right. that. And we've got a backlog of of tracks that we're working on and we're finishing up. We actually sent a song last night to a mix engineer. I think Goldlink's engineer. Yeah, Javon Gant-Graham. We sent him a track last night. So we're, we're churning out music. We got a backlog. We're sitting on, ready to drop it for, for people like you and yeah. excited. That's fantastic. I, I love that. One of the things that you were you were talking about a little bit was getting possibly into production and like you guys writing as a, a unit. But it also sounds like you are utilizing possible past connections and future connections on what you actually want to accomplish with the music that you have. Reaching out to different mixing engineers, reaching out to different studios to actually get your kind of sound solidified. Is that a conscious effort from what you guys were doing before in your previous acts? I wouldn't say so necessarily. I think part of this project has just been us trying to incorporate as many different sounds as possible and take like, or I should, a better way to put it is just take way more approaches to making music than we had in the past where normally, as Christina mentioned, like I would just come in with my guitar and play a riff, right? Yeah, I mean, even this uh, weekend, have you heard of this guy named Pat Pattinson? mm Mm-mm. He wrote this book. He's a Berkeley professor. He wrote this book called Writing Better Lyrics. I believe that's the name of the, ti- uh, of the title of the book. But we took a class recently just on writing from a title. And that okay. is a whole paradigm shift in and of itself. Like, you know, instead of, you know, your titles have a DNA to it in terms of songwriting. And, or it doesn't. It could be just like, for example, what's a song that doesn't have DNA? I don't know. He was pulling up a whole list of like really just abstract titles that it could mean 
anything. Right. But yeah, we're trying to explore new techniques and just trying to spice it up a little bit in terms of how can we be a little bit more creative and efficient, yet efficient with our, with our songwriting and lyricism. So now's a good time to get on Zoom and get on some, you know, working sessions with other professionals. Yeah. And I would say last year for some of the songs we released, like half of them had drums that we did in the box in in Ableton that we produced ourselves. And then for another two of the songs, we, we did the same thing. We programmed the drums in the box, but we were like, Hey, wouldn't it be sweet to have someone play actual drums on this? Like, what if we took this to the studio and had someone just replay those drums? And so that was just a new kind of experiment to try out that we've never really done before. Yeah, composing drums for yeah. bed tubs. <laughs> yeah, for him just to like... And yeah. then he takes it to a whole nother level of what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you just like let him run wild a little bit, right? You're just like, yeah, you've done this like, enough. Like, he, he can figure it out. He, yeah, he does. Yeah. I think he came into the session, he he had... he. He thought we were recording one song, but then we're like, no, we're doing two. And he's like, oh, <laughs> he's like, let me uh, just step out, get a coffee and listen to the track. <laughs> but he like seriously nailed it. And I can't wait to drop this other song later this year that has his drums. It's it's a very John Bonham feel he has going. But yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, we, we do switch it up a bit, but it's still rooted in the in the concept of what we are like of the, the initial project idea that we had. I like that. It also sounds like with, and I I really like your analogy of this being your dojo, right? Like this is your time to really study and get other parts around you into your music, which is great. So is that kind of the idea that you're having now? Like you had those experiences and now you're trying to figure out new tools and new approaches to the sounds that you want to make? I think it's just getting to a finished track. And there's so (laughs) much resistance that comes into play when it comes to finishing your art, you know, maybe procrastination sets in motion or other, or other factors. Maybe it's, you know, I I don't know if you've read the book, The War of Art. Have you heard of that book? No. Ian and I are avid readers. I think I still have a Goodreads, Goodreads account, which is kind of sad. I still, (laughs) I still use Goodreads, but yeah, my vocal coach recommended The War of Art and it's how to break through your blocks and win your inner creative battles. And I just bring that up because we're just trying to find a way to finish tracks and overcome the the battle, many battles to yeah. get to that point where you're like, yes, it's out. <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> I think, yeah, in the sense of being in the dojo. Yeah, I mean, we love just messing around with our gear as well, just to see what, you know, sonic textures we can come up with and just like learning about our gear itself. I mean, that's oh, kind yeah, of that's where so... the, that's kind of where the name came from, Infinite Daisy Chains, is right. like the idea of just chaining together a bunch of different like effects going into synths, going into the computer, and then like affecting those further. And just like, yeah, just any possibility of sound basically. So this year has definitely or last year has been a great chance to just continue to learn what we got and just, you know, even get some new gear and figure out some new sounds and learn more about production. <laughs> and yeah, it's a never ending thing. But yeah, as Christina says, the end goal is like, whatever we got to do to finish tracks, because it def- they definitely take us a really long time. Because when you can do like whatever you want, when you have like no constraints, it's, you know, it's awesome. But like, you can just keep on working on a song for yeah. as long as. There's know, for, this producer, Andrew Hung, Hung, who taught us that you know if you're going to create a song i think he gave like ian a task of like creating a song with only free vst stock plugins 
Yeah. Okay. And that, that narrows the scope, although still huge ocean <laughs> of plugins. If you just Google like yeah. Sweetwater and check out all the plugins that are out there in the universe. But that's like an example of putting constraints so that you can, you can finish it. Yeah. Another constraint we used to do was we would schedule a mixed day in advance. Oh my so, God. We do that all oh, the freaking okay. time. Yeah. yeah. So we just like put a deadline on ourselves. Be like, all right, we have two more <laughs> months to finish this thing. Cause we've been working on it for like seven months. So let's right. just like, it's so close. But if we didn't have that deadline, we would just keep on tooling around. So then even in like up until the last night, we'll be <laughs> fixing things. We'll go out into the car, do a lap, you know, bump it in the speakers. Every time. It's, it's hilarious. It's, it's always like, like we're it's always like at the, it's finals every freaking time we finish. <laughs> yeah. We like end up pulling all nighters. It stuff. is so funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's that that art under pressure, right? It's the you're able to the success under pressure because you put it on yourself, and that's how you actually perform more, I guess, right? That that kind of like a that crockpot or that steam cooker of just like we're gonna make this happen, no matter what. <laughs> Will it into existence? <laughs> yeah. I love also the idea of scheduling your your mix time ahead of time to give you that actual deadline, that hard deadline. Because like what you're saying, you could tweak it to almost non-existent at that point because you're not able to possibly figure out an ending point or ring yourself in or say, okay, this is actually good enough. Like it's okay. We don't have to tweak it even more. So having that hard deadline, I think is a really cool thing. Is that something that you learned before this band? No, 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 <laughs> no, no, so. no. This is, this is hot off the press. <laughs> <laughs> that That's excellent because if you have... Like what you said, if you have all the tools to your fingertips, like the world, the world is infinite, right? Yeah. So you're able to really use as much as possible. And then you always get excited by a new sound. At least I try yeah. to. Yeah. And you, you fall victim to overworking something. Yeah. As you alluded to. Yeah. And we're guilty of. I think some <laughs> of our older tracks or even tracks from last year might have come off as a little overworked potentially. But I think it's, you know, every… Every song, you know, you got to discard, set aside, like, okay, this happened. Time to move on. We're already starting a new song today. You know, it's on to the next one. Yeah. And it's a nice timestamp to, like, kind of see your progress, you know, when you do set that deadline. Be like, all right, this is where we're at right now, but let's try to beat it next time, you know? Yeah. I think it's good to, like, say something's finished. I think there's some quote is, like, art is never finished, but just abandoned. And so, (laughs) yeah, it's definitely how… how it works with us. <laughs> I like that. The the dude that you were talking about, Andrew Huang, I think, uh, I follow his YouTube stuff all the time. And it's ridiculous. But the, I think the most ridiculous thing I've, I've seen is modular. And oh, all yeah. the… Oh, yeah. All of the stuff that goes with that blows my mind so much. And that that right there is like the pinnacle of being lost into your gear. Because you can legitimately like get wrapped up in all the cables that you're trying to just push into all these different ports and make all these different sounds. And now you're in a spider web. Like it, it's insane to me. Definitely. Yeah. His videos, especially on modular, are like, they're so dope. And like, I'm so interested in it. But I personally haven't like made the jump into modular just because I'm like, I have. oh man. Yeah. Christina has. <laughs> she got a couple of things. I have like, semi modulars, I have an Arebus. Semi-modular and Kilpatrick Phenol I bought online on from off of Facebook. And okay. 
let me tell you, even semi-modular, wow. I mean, that is a whole nother capability. And I'm still overwhelmed with it because it's so unpredictable Yeah, for me. I mean, I'm just not there yet to really know the nuances, but it's like that whole thing with like Parliament Funkadelic when they, you know, they were performing, they, they might've had some notes of like where they set their synthesizer so that they remembered, okay, this is the patch for this song at this show. But, 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 you know, most synthesizers, you have the ability to like save the patch and remember it. We collect a lot of vintage synths and like I have several semi-modulars and in that situation, it's like, you can't remember it's in the moment. It's, it's fixed unless yeah. you're like routing MIDI in and then you can you can manipulate it a little bit but it's still generally fixed in my opinion it's crazy yeah it until your house or at least a wall gets taken over by the modulars i don't think you're fully in it so keep going <laughs> until like at least half of your house is covered with it cuz that's and then just your have electric you seen, bill uh, is dead, a lot. have you i have you seen dead mouse's like masterclass ads like it's it's like he's got the he's got like an A one hundred like a dope fur I don't even know how to pronounce it it's German but it, it like takes up his whole yeah it's like multiple walls multiple walls yeah. like it's, just A one hundreds upon A one hundreds it's it's intense no we're not at that level and <laughs> I don't think anyone would want us to be at that level of like collecting gear but that's probably like the direction it's kind of heading in you know I think right. like yeah. Definitely, it's on the bucket list to get into modular at some point, for me at least. Yeah. Yeah, well, just you're going to have to like treat it as a song where you have like a limit, right? Like you have, mm-hmm. you have an end thing where you're like, look, we can't make the whole house like this, okay? <laughs> it is already in the dishwasher and we need to take it out. Like, this is too much. Those, those videos are insane. That, that guy is incredible as far as what he can actually teach in a short amount of time to a lot of people, which I really appreciate because I don't know what I'm doing and some of the, his stuff makes sense to me. And that's crazy to me. So I, I like that and I like, I like you guys reading and looking more things up. So it sounds like you're always constantly learning too and trying to hone your craft in a little bit more. Was that something natural for both of you to always have the thirst of, of knowing more and what you can do? I think ever since I downloaded Ableton, maybe almost 10 years ago, it's been a journey. I looked at it like a caveman, like what, like, you know, with rocks and trying to make a fire. Like, what is this? How do I, how do I make the fire? I don't know how to do it. It started bit by bit with, you know, downloading Ableton, our digital audio workstation of choice to then like getting the MIDI keyboard and, and evolving from there in terms of our production skill. And uh, meeting Ian, it's just been so much fun evolving it with him because I can bounce questions off him. We'll watch disclosure, Disclosure's Twitch videos together. I mean, it's so much fun. I think also some of our mentors, for example, Ian takes guitar lessons still, and I take vocal lessons because I'm not naturally a vocalist, but for the sake of this project, I'm doing it. I'm a violinist by trade. That was what I studied. You know, that's what I've been raised to do. So we have that flexibility of, you know, instrumentation, but yeah, I think, I think our mentors instilled to us that consistency and practice, that deep focused practice is so important and you can grow at any age. You can learn a skill at any age. 
and not just like you're over the hill at a certain point. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, and especially starting this pro- project where, yeah, we're taking care of like, we had to learn drums, right? Like we, right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I started taking some before. lessons with Ben. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just learning beat production was super fun to get into. Learning bass, like I don't know how to play bass, but I'll still He's lay down bass. bass on the track. He's playing you know, bass just on the like, <laughs> Just from listening to so much music, it's like I'm just gonna try to play what I want to hear and right, just go right. for it. And but also like learn from like yeah, plenty of YouTube videos, guitar teachers. I take lessons with John Lee. He's a DC jazz guitar player, incredible, incredible player. Doesn't really he good teach dude. at Towson? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Teaches at Towson University. And so lately, I've just been doing online lessons with him. I did the Andrew Hung production class, yeah, which was yeah. helpful. It was like the three-month class, which was really cool. And more recently, we've been doing lessons with with Underbelly. This guy, I don't know if you heard of <laughs> Underbelly, but… You no. suck at producing. He has yeah. this YouTube series that's so hilarious. He he makes it so much fun to learn how to, how to, how to produce. It's a, it's a joy to work with, work with him. Yeah, he's such a funny <laughs> dude. You got to check out his channel. It's just okay. called… Uh, you suck at producing. Yeah. Okay. Like, <laughs> and we suck at producing. Okay. <laughs> Let's be real. Yeah. We don't really know what we're doing. Yeah. We have so, no idea. We, uh, yeah. His videos are just like, they're all like pretty short and they just get straight to the point and like they're hilarious, but they're also super informative. Yeah. And yeah. as a teacher, he's been like really helpful. He'll more recently, he'll, we just start a track from scratch with him and then. He'll kind of critique it as we build it and teach us some techniques. And the one we just sent to mixing last night was one that I think we started when we started taking the lessons. So it's kind of a new, uh, somewhat new approach to producing through his lessons and everything. That's really, really cool. And it, I, I like the fact that you're also like learning and rounding out your skills with that too. So learning how to play drums, which I don't think is an easy thing at all. I don't know how hands and feet work together in time. So great on anybody that can do that because it doesn't make any sense to me. I've tried. It doesn't work. What we do, what we do is we, it's more, it's less about actually like the technique of playing drums and more about the theory of like, okay, let's study the amen break. You know, the, yeah. the, the most iconic break that was used in like over 500, sampled over 500 times, breaking that down. Or like, what was that one song, that one Led Zeppelin song that I analyzed that like I oh, use yeah. actually in... Like we do production for Splice, this like company. Like we 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 have clients and stuff, and mm-hmm. it's like we would take what was the song that led? It was to? A Fool in the Rain. Fool in the Rain, yeah. You know, it's like oh, okay, let's break down that progression, and then I would flip it in a sample in a drum drum rack kit, and I'd send that off and like sell it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. And thanks, Led Zeppelin. Please don't sue me. <laughs> but it's well, like, you know, I, adapting. It's like art is all is kind of about stealing, you know. It's like yeah. adapting it. Yeah. I, I I wholeheartedly agree with that. Speaking of stealing, though, because you have that kind of baseline, are you looking at trying, like what you were talking about, trying to take the, the best parts of those sounds that you like and put them into your music as far as the different soundscapes, the, the samples possibly as well? We always try to flip that sample, so to speak. So if okay. we are using a sample, most of the time it comes from us, you know, but if we source it from a royalty-free site, we yeah. manipulate it so that it's not just like, just a straight up rip off splice, you know? I, I, I don't know if you heard of the app Clubhouse, but like this, it's this app that 
I think a bunch of creatives now have joined and, and professionals, entrepreneurs of different types, maybe financial entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. you know, professionals, different people join this app called Clubhouse. And I join specifically to follow producers. And okay. it's almost like South by Southwest. Like you get an inside scoop into what's going on in the industry. And producers are like, like, you know, for people like Justin Bieber and stuff are like, you sure that this is a royalty-free sample off of Splice? And, and you know, their lawyers are going back and forth. Yeah. But at the end of the day, apparently Splice's samples are royalty-free. But I think, you know, we're trying to, if we do use a sample, it's all about like making sure we flip it. Not just like straight up jack a sample and use it. <laughs> right, yeah, right. Usually we're not grabbing the musical idea from samples, but yeah, usually sure. it's for like drum sounds, you know, like Dr- yeah, drum I'll just sounds. go through like a million snare sounds till I find one I like and that's the one I'll buy, you know, or well, like you know, download. Your, your snare so. still sounds like shit. Oh, man. It almost says. <laughs> that's that meme. Yeah. <laughs> we can never get the like. The perfect snare. The perfect snare. We're waiting. One day it might still happen. Searching. We're still yeah. on the lookout if you see, you find any. That, that's got to be really annoying that it's just like this one piece that you can't nail, right? Like <laughs> going through thousands and thousands of sound bites just to hear whatever you think sounds good. Do you think that you've lost the your baseline for it because you've heard so many too? Like you don't even no. know what's good anymore? <laughs> well, I think what it's all about is like, it's not just about the one sample. It's about how well that sample works with the other sample okay. you're using. Yeah. And so oh, you yeah. have to think about your kick and your snare and your hi-hat work as a unit. Oh my God, and then, that's so So it's funny. like your snare can kind of suck, but it can actually sound great if you have the right kick. You know, so right. it's all about like trying to piece those, uh, you know, that puzzle piece together. There was a track we've been working on that we just finished up that for like up until the last days before we sent to mixing, we had a trap hi-hat on. on I would say, I would describe the track as generally like pop, slash R&B-ish. So it just, like, we weren't, like, challenging ourselves to be like, okay, if we solo the drums, is this even gonna work? And, like, does this really fit with the gated, gated toms a la, you know, Phil Collins? Absolutely is weird. (laughs) And we didn't really challenge it, but, like, at the end of the day, it's like, no, let's try to, like, switch it out and use, like, a more natural hi-hat sound and like change of velocity to be like more organic and natural almost mm-hmm. like a real kit yeah so it's like things like that that we struggle with on a daily basis <laughs> i would agree <laughs> <laughs> no wonder it takes a while because you're there, like what we said i mean the the possibilities are so infinite at that point because the combinations are so infinite at that point and you're just trying to find the sounds that actually like go together but I think it would be important for like the kit to sound all kind of the same, right? Like just you're actually taking from those right sounds on it. You, yeah, I I could see that like that mixture in there. If it works, that's great. That's fantastic, right? But definitely something can always feel off, I think, oh, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And one thing I, I remember, it was like one of the biggest helps to us is when we started getting into drum mas- ma- drum machines directly and just yeah. being like, all right, let's sample this drum machine. But uh-huh. also like we have a friend, Christopher Willits. He's like an ambient producer, um, composer out in San Francisco. He gave me once this like the mecca of sample drum samples. <laughs> and it was like every single drum machine from like the 808s 
like Alesis, you know, all these different drum samples and you, the whole kit, like the whole, like the whole thing. And I'm, I'm just like, <laughs> I haven't given it to you, Ian, but it's <laughs> sitting on my hard drive if you want it. But there's, there's, there's a sample in one of them that actually was a little bit just like mysterious. And it was just called Damn. And it was just this <laughs> low 808 sub. <laughs> and we've used that. We've used that in, uh, I've used that actually a couple times in tracks. It's so epic. It's epic. Yeah. <laughs> it just like stands alone as like this damn like. <laughs> yeah. If you so do, if you want to know what that sample is, it's you listen to our track melting into you. It's in the intro. You'll hear like this bass drop right before like the first verse comes in. Yeah. You know, like thirty seconds in or something. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I was listening to that earlier, and I, I really like that one. That makes everything come together. So <laughs> that's really really cool. I like that. With with your your releases. A lot of them are singles. So is that kind of the approach that you want to have as far as the the band and producing albums versus singles? It was a debut year for us. And we released singles to warm everybody up to us existing. <laughs> <laughs> and our first release, all of our releases, we've been in collaboration with Day Off Recordings, which is my friend's like startup label, Max and Travis from Day Off, they're great. Yeah, and I think we just decided like, let's release a two-side, two-sided EP to kick things off. And then let's not delay, let's put out some more singles just to, you know, keep the momentum going. But I think moving forward, we're going to have more strategic, you know, project-oriented type releases coming, coming soon and actually going to be announced probably fairly soon. So yeah, I think, I think we're, we're, we're evolving and maturing in that sense. But singles are actually fantastic and a good option for musicians because of that almost like instant gratification culture you see with social media. Yeah. It's like really great to get a buzz through singles, I think. Yeah, that's that's actually what I was going to to ask about if if that was just a, an idea that you guys had because like what you said, singles can actually be more prevalent and more... I guess attachable for for fans than the whole album, right? So you can release multiple singles throughout the year and stay relevant all throughout it if you wanted to, instead of just dropping this one album and then trying to quote unquote tour because we can't really do that right now, right? You got to go through your PR channels and your social media stuff, which is a little harder for an album than a single, I would think. I, I agree. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Definitely. So that I, I really I really like that idea. I I've talked to a couple other electronic artists and that's been their approach is doing these these singles because each song for them could be completely different too. So they can they can show off that yeah, I can do like a dance dream thing over here. This is gonna be a little bit darker, this is gonna be a little bit lighter, whatever it is, right? But because they're not possibly bound to one solid sound in one album, they can kind of let their wings grow a little bit and let them fly all over sonically with that, which I, I think is really cool. So I don't know if that's something that you guys have thought about at all, but it sounds like you have also like a pinpoint direction and an idea and a structure behind this project, which is great. Yeah, I think with our releases, weirdly enough, the last song we released, Marino Beach Club, was the first song we wrote. Okay. <laughs> and we released it last of last year, like the last one of last year. And so it's like interesting how, 
yeah, how, how that evolved. We've released the more psychedelic track last and the, and the first two that we released were like the more recent one. And Memory Lane was just a, a wild card. That was uh, something we wrote in February of last year. Yeah, and I think with the singles, it kind of introduced some, like not a huge range of styles, but they're somewhat different in terms of the genre. You know, some are more dream pop, some are a little more psychedelic rock. So it's kind of also in preparation for when we do release like, you know, an EP or an album or something larger, then the audience will be introduced to that range of sounds and we can kind of pack it all all up into one sort of thing without it seeming kind of random. Yeah. Have you guys thought about what your live performance would be like? Because you're kind of in a, a unique situation where you're writing and producing and all this stuff, but you can't really play out at all right now. Yeah, right. I hear you. We put out a YouTube video a couple months ago, and it was a live performance. And, you know, for any reference of what we would do live, I would cite that, that performance there. It's basically, you know, Ian with a synth and his guitar and a mic me with a mic and my Ableton push. Mm-hmm. That's it. And, may, and maybe my violin. Yeah, but that's it. Try and, I mean, that sounds like <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's a lot, but that's it. That's it. If we, if we really had to break it down, it's like I could trigger, trigger and uh, Ableton push. That's, you know, that's my, what I normally go out and perform with solo. Before, before the pandemic, I would go out and do like so far sounds okay. around DC. And I would just, it would just be me my violin and Ableton push. And sometimes a rapper would, you know, <laughs> remember who's that guy? That one guy that oh, Louis. Oh yeah. Louis bags. He's an awesome, awesome rapper that I've collaborated with. Um, but yeah, that's all we really need. Yeah. That's, that's great. Cause what I, what I always think about are the electronic artists that really want to also do live stuff in the future and trying to make sure that you have like a, a stage presence with it. And also, it's not just like a, a click of a button or anything like that. So whether or not you have to like rearrange your process of presenting your your music live versus recording, because you can actually have to have a whole different setup possibly to play out your music live in there. Possibly have like a live drummer instead of having the the beats or whatever, or a com- combination of the two, which I think is always a really really fun time. Yeah, I'd love to scale it up to a live drummer, but I know like, you know, when things open up, it'll probably just be starting with whatever we can get and (laughs) starting from the bottom, you know, playing smaller clubs, you know, more intimate settings, probably. Yeah. And for doing the uh, the live performance of it, we did a couple tracks, we've only released one so far on YouTube, but it was fun to like rethink those songs and like, because we didn't have... We, yeah, as you say, we're not just going to like load in the entire beat no into way. Ableton. You know, we kind of <laughs> right. want to like somewhat simplify it so we can like change things on the fly. And so that's a pretty fun process anyway, is like trying to reimagine those songs in a more simplified way, like maybe more guitar driven slightly, you know, or like right. more you're triggering things on the Ableton push, yeah. like different synth sounds. Yeah. And so yeah, it's, you kind of get to like rewrite the song a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's pretty fun. Yeah, I, I really like that. The... Oh, man, I, I lost my train of thought for a second because I was excited about talking about live music again. Us too. Yeah, that, that it's it's been a really big, I wouldn't say loss, but like vacuum for me because that's that's been my release so much. And just to not have that this past year, 
And I don't know when that will be a thing again. Here's here's what I was going to ask you. So you guys both have history in different bands. Do you feel like a, not a, a reset for this band, but having to work from the bottom up, do you find that more challenging or is that possibly more freeing because this is a little bit more of what you guys want to do musically? I think it's, it's a clean slate. It's a great opportunity to hone in on what we really want to achieve from an artistic vision standpoint. Definitely. Yeah, musically, it's been super fun just to be able to do whatever you want and everything in terms of like building up like a presence in the area. Yeah. I think I kind of leave that to Christina because she's been like killing it on the website and like the social media and everything. Christina's really talented at that, at like building up a brand and everything. Yeah. And oh, so it's you're been, being too nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think you are. But uh, me and my 150 <laughs> TikTok followers. <laughs> I'm going places. I'm an influencer. <laughs> well, I'll say Christina's much better than me at all that stuff. So yeah. Yeah, I'm not gonna quit my day job over that. But yeah, no, I think yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I, I think we'll we'll start from the bottom, you know, like let's start at the beginning again. I think it's gonna be great. I'm excited for for that when when we can start putting our press kits together and blowing up venues and being like, Hey, please, I know you already have your next two years already filled out in terms of your books, but like, please. And actually most of my favorite venues are closed anyways, like 18th street lounge, Eric Hilton's venue, like, come on. And then U street music hall. I'm, I used to work at bliss pop and that place was amazing. And I'm so sad. I miss the crew. Like, you know, it's like, I'm heartbroken a little bit right now. But hopefully there's a resurgence. I have hope. I have hope. Yeah, fingers crossed, right? Like saving saving music is live music specifically is is gonna be a big challenge for this year, I think. And if if it can't get done sooner than later, that's gonna be a big if in twenty twenty two and in the future of maybe independent venues aren't a thing too much anymore and maybe they're bigger conglomerates that come in that can actually like support this stuff, which then would change the music scene for all the way through. So, because there's, there's money to be made and, and corporations will end up seeing that as far as like this being almost like a reset of it, right? So they'll see like a surge of people wanting to get out. So my, my nervousness about that is who kind of takes over those, those venues? Is it going to be a limited number of people places for people to play or more of those spots going to come up or it's more of a corporate feel. I don't know, but that that's definitely something that I'm, I'm nervous about. I don't know if you guys yeah. have thought about that at all. Time will tell. I, I'm yeah. a little bit nervous because like the, the bailout money or whatever you call it, the, the money that has been distributed by the government. I, I, I mean, I could be wrong, but I thought a lot of it went to corporations like bigger yep. corporations. And so, you know, I've been seeing, so many of my friends and family members lose their businesses. We have, you know, actually, we have a, a small startup LLC, Cash Music LLC, and that's purely on production. We're doing production right. work. Unfortunately, it's it's like a slow, it's a slowly building thing. So it's it's like we don't need a PPP loan or anything like that. We don't have we don't have right. employees or anything, and we don't have rents to pay that sort of thing, insurances to pay, really. But a lot of my friends are facing that challenge. And 
yet they are determined not to take a PPP loan because they're like, that's not how I roll. Yeah. They don't want to be in debt. They don't want to, they're just more apt to close it or innovate. I think what we might see is, you know, as you say, I think venues will get more corporate and like the bigger ones will stay afloat while smaller to mid-tier ones will uh, fall yeah. by the wayside. But I think we're gonna, we might see the surge of DIY venues start popping up again. I've and already been seeing it. Yeah, we have uh, <laughs> through Bad News Bands. Um, I mean, they, they had some, that's a private showcase. So that isn't really public. Yeah, I guess, I don't know. I think we'll see a lot more like backyard shows and like, yeah. Whatever it takes. Yeah, whatever it takes. Because I'm ready to host some shows in my backyard if everyone's got a vaccine or whatever. Right, right. That's that's going to be the the next thing because when you look at the the timeline for vaccines, that makes me more nervous than anything else because that rollout has been incredibly slow, and to get the people that are like frontline retail, frontline uh, restaurant, like those ones that have so much connections to other people all the time, like. Music venues, you're seeing people every night. They're all sweaty. They're all gross. All of that is going to be in contact with someone. So if you don't have that that rollout in there, and if you're you're dragging your feet with the the vaccine rollout, then that's still affecting long term everything that's happening, and you're not able to get that sooner than what it is going to be, which is probably much much later than what anybody wants. Yeah, it begs the question: Where does where do music venue staff sit in the priority order. Like I know the first rollout is medical. Second is teachers. What's, you know, where are they on the list? Are they at the back of the line, (laughs) so to speak? I mean, I mean, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I I think so, unfortunately. And that's, that's going to be like the, the arts here specifically aren't really regarded as an essential thing, even though it is an essential thing. So any it's kind essential of essential to humanity, you know, right, we need exactly. it right now. We're, we're all weary. We're tired. Yeah, that's a very good way to put it. Yeah. We're all, we're all tired of everything that's happening. But I, I think, I think when it comes to the, the, that execution, when we, we talk about arts and music and all the things that people want to do right now that they can't, it's still unfortunately on the back burner instead of being like one of the first things that we like address you're like these have the most connections with the most people because they keep seeing them in this crowded room. Why aren't we getting these people all set up medically vaccinated so we can keep act or rekindle what we lost? Yeah, I'm in this weird spot where I feel like the music industry is pushing. Oh, you got to do live stream. You're you're yeah. mi- that's a, it's a missed income. Blah 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 blah. Like I had meetings with Spotify, like collabs. And her, this one like R&B artist was talking about how imperative a live stream is to her, you know, yeah. overall strategy and her brand. And, and I'm just like not on that train. And I, <laughs> I, I know I'm, I'm probably missing the boat, like, you know, late TikTok adopters. You know what I mean? It's like, no, mm-hmm. I'll never do a live stream. Like, I just don't feel like it. I, I, I know that that's something that maybe is controversial. Like artists need to go every avenue they can. But, you know... I like the idea of that in-person connection and I miss it. And I don't like watching live streams. Right. I just don't. I like listening to podcasts. I like listening <laughs> to like recorded music, but I don't really particularly like live streams. Do you? I've seen a couple that were cool, but yeah, for the most part, you know, I'm not usually not tuning in, you know. Um, How do you keep people's interest with a live stream? 
I don't, I haven't figured that out. You have to be very compelling. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's definitely, you know, that disconnection of, of warmth and disconnection of that, that personal connection to that other person because you're not getting any direct audience feedback. You're not getting immediate audience feedback. You're not getting anything. You might get like a chat box, but that's really about it. Like you're not hearing applause or, or emotional outburst. That's for sure. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Some artists so, say that they do they, with, with that feedback in the chat box, for example. But, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't really get that. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. Hopefully someone else can, can answer that. But I don't think they can. It's definitely still going to be that disconnect. But my question for you guys is, since there is that lack of playing out and that lack of being part of a scene at the moment, what is your approach to kind of get your music out there a little bit? We touched a little bit about social media and the stuff that you are trying to do that way. Have you done more work to try to get your online presence way up since the physical geographical presence can't really be there? Yes, I think I come from like a digital tech background. I have that experience. And so translating that over to, you know, e-commerce and websites, for example, my strategy is all about optimizing on-page SEO and trying to rank higher in search results. It's, it's, it sounds really weird to bring up SEO, but I think it does matter. I think, you know, that's why we don't have, that's why we specifically have this name. I hope to God after this (laughs) conversation, someone, there is not another infinite DZ change that pops up. And and the reason why I say that is like, it's so hard for people to find you online. If you have like a very, I don't know, vague name. I think it's like, we, we added a couple extra words to ours, for example, so we can achieve what we're hoping to achieve, which is like our uniqueness and people can find us somehow. Findability on the internet, I think is essential for creatives or entrepreneurs. And there's so many different tactics you can use to achieve that. Then also, I think, yeah, to your point, social media is a thing. I don't know how many people were, fans were retaining through that. But I do appreciate like the one-on-one interactions. And so what it really comes down to in anything we do, whether it's an interview or... I don't know, just whatever opportunity comes our way, if we can just like have that connection with one person at a time, that's really all we can ask for. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's exactly what I want out of of this is just to be able to connect with other people. Like if it's someone that I've talked to before or not talked to, like that's the most important thing for me, right? That connection. And it's just a record for me of the conversations that I've had and the people that I met. And that's, that's a beautiful thing for me. Absolutely. Hearing, hearing that same idea from you, but also knowing that you have like the tool set for it, I think is really cool because I don't think that is a conscionable effort on a lot of the artists and a lot of the creatives where they want to make art for art's sake, but not realize that you can put some work in there and more people can see your art. So if you have to learn those, those different skills to actually get your name out there and get your art more exposed, that's the the other aspect of it to where you could even potentially in the in the grand future possibly make money off your art. That would be cool. Like stuff that you <laughs> like doing, you can get paid off of. That's that's all right. I know it's so true. I think it's so hard to make money off of streams as you may well relate to yeah. with putting your podcast out on Spotify and other streaming platforms. So difficult. But Hey, maybe there's other 
avenues to monetizing it. You know, for us, it's like people discover us and then they're like, hey, we've got a job for you. We need this sound design done. We need these drum racks done. And it's like, all right, okay, (laughs) I'm getting bread tonight, you know? (laughs) Hey, that's, you know, my accountant, Kishore, is going to be real happy because he's like, are you guys in a real business? Like last year, we had this whole conversation of like, are you guys for real? Are you guys just a hobby? And and we're like, no, Kishore, we're going to prove to you we are not just a hobby. (laughs) So yeah, we're trying to make Kishore proud. We are. We are trying to make him proud. That's That's fantastic. I I, I really (laughs) like that. Okay. So I think to your point, like the, the, the mentors too, right? Like those, those people that you want to like make sure that whatever you learn from them, you put in practice and you make them proud. I I, I really like that. I, I, I like that idea. I think it's also interesting. So do you ever think about your music as almost like your portfolio to show off the different stuff that you can do? Absolutely. That's like so true. It is a portfolio. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because that's how we, yeah, that's how that's we got how we the gig with Splice. And that's how we started building Quadio drum Media. racks for yeah. them. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's one of these things down the line. Well, right now we're working to finish the music we've been working on. But, you know, we're, we're interested in doing like producing for other artists in the future. Yeah. Know, once some time frees up. But that's definitely on the yeah, we've already as well. He's got this artist, 16-year-old in um, Louisville, Kentucky, that my vocal teacher has been instructing for years and is like, hey, you know, I've been working with you, but I can learn something from you. And can you help this girl out? And and so it's like really exciting to work with the next generation. I, I'm excited about what they have to offer. And so maybe that's our next step. I yeah. think that's likely our next step is producing for others. That's awesome. And with uh, the online presence, are you finding different communities that embrace your music too? that you may not have known before? Yeah. It's so wild. Our biggest fans are from Mexico. Really? And they'll message me in Spanish and I'm like, all right, Google Translate, (laughs) you know? But it's so cool. Well, how it started was the Tame Impala Mexico fan group that we reached out to. And then, (laughs) you know, then they sent it to their friends and their friends sent it to their friends. And that was one particular group that we are like, wow, they are so cool. They have, you know, they also have some great rock bands and indie bands and dream pop going on over there. And I think also just learning from other musicians and creatives, like that yeah. exchange of like every week we put out a Vibes for Days iteration of our playlist. And we try to support not only like music that we're really you know, vibing with, quote unquote, but also <laughs> like artists we dig that are low as well. Yeah. Like Andrew Toy has had a like a new percussion album that came out recently, like electronic in nature. Oh, hey, let's put that on the playlist. You know, Romero, this producer that I met in Nashville, like she's putting out fire tracks, working with amazing pop artists. I think the Sheik's drummer and bassist were session musicians on her track. And you don't even know this stuff unless you just get to engaging with people online. Right. I think it's pretty cool. I don't know if you're finding that through your own like your 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 page as well where people yeah. are engaging and new new people crop up and you get to know them a little bit yeah that i th- i think that's the goal for me right like uh, i want to that it's that connection piece right trying to engage people online because right now you can't really engage people in person so that that piece of just like 
getting random feedback or getting like random nice thoughts or like getting a random review from someone that you didn't even know listened to your stuff. Like that's that's really cool. And that that helps a little bit. And then I think the biggest thing for me, and I don't this might uh translate for you guys too. Like I research so much to figure out how to even record stuff to make this happen, to figure out how to capture audio from a screen, kind of like what I'm doing now, right? So the the Facebook groups, the podcast editing groups, all these little groups that you don't really like realize are, are such a big force. You can easily ask so many different questions to them and you can get down this rabbit hole and then you find out that like people are fully embracing everything that you're trying to do and like are fully backing you. And that feels pretty great too, even if they're in a different language. Like that's that's pretty that's awesome. solid. Yeah. Yeah. So that connection piece is, is really cool and really important. And I think that when when you can connect with other creatives around, like that's that's almost validating for yourself, right? Like that that makes it even feel even better. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's nice to learn from others. I, I know there's a whole community. There's different communities of <coughs> musicians um, and producers. For example, I mean, even on Twitch, there's like disclosures, legions of fans, you know, that like, but they're not really just fans. Like they're also producers. Right. And you'll just have this nice, this this nice discourse, intelligent discourse about production and just this passion of shared passion about making music that is pretty cool. Yeah. And I don't think that you would get that in, in your area as much, right? No. So, because a lot of times too, like when you're looking at your local scene, there's only a couple of bands that might be doing anything remotely to you. So the, the way that you have to like integrate your sound with everything that's around you, but having to stay true to yourself a little bit with that too, I, I think is a balancing act. And well, then it's because, having, you know, it's because producers don't go out at night. Right. <laughs> they, just, they, they just stay in their little, their little cubby hole and you're like, where are the producers? And they're there. There's so many freaking producers in DC. I mean, come on. It's right. so many. Right. Sorry, go ahead. I interrupted. No, you. that's that's perfect because they don't go out at night. I mean, that's because <laughs> that that's what I'm thinking too. Though is that there's there's just not as much of a prevalent force in your local area compared to what you can actually achieve on an online presence just by sending your music out to different groups to just connecting with people that you wouldn't have talked to otherwise. At the same time, it's so important to connect to your local community. Yeah. And there's different pockets. Like you can navigate through different groups and clicks and whatnot. You can just skirt right by them. But, you know, I think it's, it's just being, uh, there, there's a bit of gratitude with like having that community locally as well. I mean, back to the whammies, it's, there's a lot of nominations, maybe too many nominations. I don't really know, <laughs> but looks like, you know, there's a deep backlog of different types of artists and producers and of all genres coming out of this area. So it's worth exploring. Yeah, I think when now that we're making this different kind of music versus what we made in the past, like we definitely started meeting different people as well, such as when we went to Headroom at a Flash nightclub. They do this, yeah, this, what is it, get together every month or so. Yeah, it's like a monthly meetup series where people showcase their tracks and they get critiqued. 
yeah, they get to blast it in the huge like it's um, so almost, cool. huge sound system. What is That's it? Amazing. Function one sound system. Yeah, it's a function one sound system in the top club room, and we actually went there to show "Melting into You." Okay. And I've gone there to show some of my other tracks before we became the Infinite Daisy Chains. But like, you know, Enamor, this like one producer who like goes on tour with, um, I don't know, some crazy artists. Like I think he's… I think Lane 8. Lane 8. He's done like some crazy stuff. Really, really talented guy. Like he'll be there and so many different producers are there. And I'm just in awe because they're doing different stuff from us. They're doing right. tech house, house, techno, trance. Like they're doing so many different kinds. And then we come in and we're like, hi, we're the infinite daisy chain. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and they're like, oh my God, my girlfriend loves this. You know, or like, oh my God, I love listening to this when I study. Beats to study too. You know, like, and yeah. it's like still there's that like commonality of like, we, we've suffered through the DAW and the middies. And like, we both right. like, we, we can all like, appreciate even if we're different genres yeah mm-hmm. that community is so dope I, i'm like always learning stuff from them i always know when the plug-in sales are going on <laughs> they're the yeah. best they have an online facebook group yeah yeah it's, definitely check it out it's kind of like the producer's way of like going to a jam like instead yeah. of yeah. bringing your guitar it's like you can kind of bring your track and then you talk about you know, it's each like, other's tracks you know it's like the like iota that. jam <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah back in the day or whatever the the other jams in the city. Is, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's so it's kind of fun jam. being introduced to that. And it's like, oh yeah, all right. This is what producers do. Cool. That's that's really awesome. One of the one of the guys that I interviewed a while back, Advocate, he's from DC too. And he does electronic music there. He was kind of talking about that same concept of you can just send your track out and get real feedback around people. And that's insane to me because that doesn't seem like it should happen. Like it, that that jam group that you're talking about, like it's such a traditional style of, of thinking, right? That it, it's just, okay, this is the only way that musicians can get together. But there's so many other parts because like if you're a producer, it's not just producing a song. Like there's like what we were talking about before that there's that that's snare that is just inescapable. <laughs> like you can't find it or it can't find you, whatever, right? So having that feedback and and saying, oh yeah, you could do this plugin or that plugin. That's got to be really awesome. It is such a gift to get feedback. I mean, we cherish we cherish it, even negative. Like, you know, David Lynch from Twin Peaks and that whole, you know, that guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is a funny story, but like, one time we submitted our music to him, and he roasted it. He roasted <laughs> it. He roasted. <laughs> he roasted it. And I was like, what is David Lynch doing on Submit Hub? Like, for the love of God, why is he doing this? Like, couldn't he be like <laughs> writing a screenplay or something? But like, I don't know. I don't know. It's like, I cherish negative feedback. I thrive on criticism. People who know me know I thrive on criticism. So, and, and, and like, but, you know, in these environments, it's a safe environment to have constructive discourse. Yeah. But to circle back on modulars, even Chuck Levins was about to show up and start demoing gear there at this meetup very very cool. for example they were going to bring a modular kit and people were going to be able to demo it yeah there at the club and then COVID hit so yeah circling back i'm bringing up modulars again but it's a thing <laughs> <laughs> there's a <laughs> mic drop were you guys uh, a david lynch fan before that are you are you a david lynch fan you know what's 
interesting is like, I just see him like in pop culture all the time. Like, you know, it's kind of, I don't know if this is like appropriate to mention, but like we've watched Louie, you know, like we've yeah. watched the show. And I don't know if it's like inappropriate because he's been canceled, but we used to see his stand up and he was featured on the show as like the, as the, the TV exec. As yeah. the TV exec. And he was like almost like how he is in real life, I think. <laughs> just like scathing criticism and mm-hmm. a little gruff. But I mean, I know of his work at, with Twin Peaks. And I think he also has a book on creativity that I'm hoping to read. I have it. It's on my to-do list. It's on my, it's in my backlog of books to read. But yeah. Are you a fan? I mean, I've, I like some of the stuff that I've seen from him, but he is such a big pop culture force, I think, is, is, is the bigger thing. Because the, the stuff that he's produced is, is great. I haven't like gone into all of it by myself, but everybody knows who he is, right? Like that is such a a pop culture force in there. So to hear that he just roasted one of your songs, like that, (laughs) I don't know if that like feels good, bad, or if you're just like, I don't like any of your movies now, you can go (laughs) somewhere else. No, my question is this What are you doing on Submit Hub? (laughs) <laughs> period right. period right. <laughs> full stop what are you doing man that's my question that's a that's a a, a, a better question i think yeah like uh, counter I, your question with a question like what what's going on <laughs> <laughs> i do really like submit hub too in theory at least like being able to to get feedback from just other people that you wouldn't even think about submitting your song to all these different playlists or, or whoever to get like actual feedback on there. That's really cool. I kind of wish there was something like that for podcast, but I don't think there is, especially since a lot of them are long form. Right? Yeah. Like, how do you deal with long form? Yeah. Uh, I think you have to suffer through if it's bad. I don't know. Or just like turn it off and be like, look, I couldn't get past through five minutes. I'm sorry, bud. Well, I think the important thing is honing that audio. Seems like you're really, you know, deflexing on that. I mean, you're, you're really good at, at, the audio quality, because that really matters. That matters to me. I mean, the content's important, but if the audio is like, I've had people send me their podcast and they're like, what do you think? And I'm like, it's clipping. Like, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> what do you, what do I think? It's clipping, girl. Like, and they asked me to fix it and I'm like, you can't fix it. Yeah. Yeah. If that's what I've learned throughout everything is like, like I said, I, and it, it kind of harks into what you guys were doing too, where, you're learning so much. You're reading everything. You're going through these tutorials. That's what I was trying to do too. And I was trying to just like, what plugins can I use to make my life easier? Because I don't want to learn anything. So there's there's definitely like those stock plugins that that you guys were kind of talking about. Like that works for the most part. But once you get into it, now you're able to hear what other actual like professionals use. And they're just like, yeah, I'll just try to steal that. And hopefully I can get it for on the cheap and, and see how that works. So it's been a, a a big growing experience, I think, for me. But audio for me is number one. Content is number two. But that shouldn't be the thing, according to everybody else. But I can't listen to a Zoom call the entire time. That's for sure. So good for you. Yeah, yeah. God's work, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's like I said. I mean, it's been it's been a journey with that. But I do want to hear about what you guys have learned most about yourself throughout your time with your band currently? Hmm. I would say about ourselves. I think throughout this project, it's just been really cool to put on all these different hats 
basically. Yeah. You know, kind of like what we were talking about earlier. And just, yeah, just, just kind of really exploring music from a different, you know, from a different side of things. And yeah, and as you're talking about, just continuing, continuing to learn and learn about music and uh, yeah, just taking, just being able to finish a track while producing everything and you know, being the drummer, being the bassist, vocalist, like Christina didn't even really sing before we started this project and she learned that. So I don't know, I think just being a lifelong learner and just being able to take on something new, you know, even as you head over 30 years old, you know, yeah. like there's still so much, so much more out there and everything. So I, I think that's my takeaway so far. Yeah. And for me, it's not just the technical skills that we've developed, but it's also fighting that resistance yeah. to create overcoming that consistently and trusting that process as well as learning how to, what's the word? I think it's a healing process personally for me okay. to, be, to be creating with Ian in a safe space. It's a wonderful, wonderful time that we spend together many hours just getting, again, achieving that finished track. So I've learned a lot, you know, the ability to trust others, you know, such as partnering with Ian is very important to me right now in life. Definitely. Likewise. And I think, you know, you mentioned consistency and yeah, just learning to be more consistent about things, about making music, about, you know, even other things outside of music. Do you want to talk about your tracker? (laughs) I do really (laughs) want to talk about my tracker. So uh, yeah, talk about it. (laughs) So this year, I guess is somewhat of a New Year's resolution thing, but I found out that you can get Excel on your phone, like as an app. Like I just yeah. never knew you could do that. And like, it kind of relates to my nine to five job, but uh, yeah, so I got Excel on my phone and my New Year's resolution was just more consistent with music and like more intentional about things. Okay. And so what I do is I have columns for like production, guitar, keyboards, synths, or in, like vocals even. Plus, like a lot of things outside of music, like exercise and sure other things. But I just track how much time I put into each of those things. And I try to hit two hours a day musically. And whether it, it doesn't matter what category it falls under. But uh, that way I can see like the last time I put in like a solid session of guitar. And it's one of those things where I'll just do half an hour blocks. So I'll just time like put all my stopwatch or whatever on my phone. Just half an hour, just play guitar. Half an hour produce with like an intention in mind yeah and put it in the tracker and you can kind of like it's, it's kind of just nice to look at you know and see what you've been doing more often and try to shift things to what you've been lacking in and then yeah as i say you can apply it to like i have a column for push-ups you know i try to do like a certain <laughs> amount of push-ups like a day yeah, yeah, yeah. things like that and also like album listening to albums every day i keep like a list of albums i've, I've listened to i try to hit one a day and just okay. give it like a little review. And yeah, so far, what, 26 days in, it's been, it's work, been working out. So uh, yeah. That's, that's really amazing. Did you hear about that from somewhere else or did you think about this on your own? I'm not sure exactly sure how it came to be. Yeah, I think I was just excited about getting the Excel app for some reason. <laughs> and then it, it started with... Uh, you sound n- like such an old man. I, I just want you to understand <laughs> that. I know, I know. I did. Like, it's not even Google recently. Sheets. It's Excel. Like, all right. Yeah. Dude, I love Excel. It's I'm, I'm such a nerd. Oh it's true, though. It's true. I'll, I'll just say this right now. I'm not about that. But like, whatever floats your boat. Okay. Well, Christina has another method that yeah, you probably okay. want to talk about. Yeah, I have but. the bullet journal. Have you heard of okay. that? Okay. No, I have no idea what this is. 
Yeah, it's like a, a way to track the past, measure and align your like your future plans and view things not only on a daily level, but a monthly and a future log throughout the year. So okay. things are aligned to your overall goals. And that's something that my friend Soyeon taught me, friend and, and former boss. But yeah, she taught me that. And yeah, I use that method where I have just, it's a very analog way of keeping track of what I do because I forget very easily what I'm supposed to be doing. But I can't, yeah. I can't like do yeah. what you're doing, which is like every day. I'd be lucky if I get five minutes. Okay. Like that's <laughs> like, I feel like I check, I accomplish li- life. If I can get five minutes of some vocal practice <laughs> or like deep practice. in. I know that's like right. the bar is low, but I just don't want to set myself up for failure feeling like, Oh my God, I didn't hit 30 minutes. Or it's like waiting two weeks to hit a four hour practice. Like that's not going right. to work. If I can do like five minutes of deep practice, I think that's more productive. So there's different ways you can go about it. I don't know what way you, if you have a method of the madness. Well, right now I'm going to just steal whatever you guys have because I really like it. <laughs> so the the whole idea of the show was, well, one of the ideas of the show was for me to like talk to people that have some kind of structure and balance in their life and just steal their energy to where I can actually do it for myself. It hasn't worked out yet, but the honestly the excel spreadsheet i really like because nice. my yeah i'm going to validate him cuz I, I think it's a really good thing my whole my whole idea and and plan for this year is to make sure that i like wake up early so like 7 7:30 is when i try to wake up because what i found especially last year is that time escaped me completely and when i was working and i'm still working but when I'm working, I realize that I'm dedicating 10 to 12 hours of my time to my job between commuting and actually being there. And there's just not a whole lot of time for myself to do what I want to do. So I have to actually convince myself to wake up early, to give myself a little bit more time to actually do the things that I like, and to even do like cooking and, and stuff like that. Because once you're, once you're in that mindset of just like, I'm going to go home and, and crash for a little bit, I don't want to do anything else. I'm not going to clean. I'm not going to cook. I'm not going to do anything. I'll just get fast food. That's fine. And then that makes you feel worse. And then the money spent makes you feel worse. So for me too, like I dedicate a lot of time to the podcast when I'm not working, but it's not in a structured way. I'm starting to get there, but it's not in a quite a structured way. So having that spreadsheet, I really like because... I want to be able to practice at least a half hour on guitar every day. I want to be able to get back into that because I I haven't been in in a few months, right? So I also want to be able to steal time for myself. A show that I want to watch, a book that I want to read now. So I like that idea of of kind of keeping track of it and pretty much holding yourself accountable to actually do this stuff. So I I really, really like that. And uh, the bullet journal sounds like it's also an idea of like long-term goals and execution with that too? Yeah, it's it's a way to design the future, but still order your present and track the past. I think it's like, oh, when did this thing happen? When did this event happen? Or it's like, oh, what do I have to do this month? Like, oh, I have an appointment this day. But then it rolls up to like, hey, you know, the long-term plan of like releasing this big project comes out here or like here, you know, it's it's pretty yeah. and, and it's like these are part of my major goals for the year, you know? And that's another 
another lens to look at things as well. But I think it's still very consistent with what you're, you're doing, Ian, where you're like, you know, for him, it's the 30 minutes a day. For me on my yeah. daily tracker, it's going to be 15 minutes of vocal practice and like, sure, you know, oh, I got to do this, this, you know, whatever. I have a whole list of things to do all the time. But, you know, you could set your own limits. Yeah. And you migrate things to a future log or be like, you know what, this doesn't make sense to achieve at this time. I'm going to migrate it to the to like future log. And, 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 you know, there's different things you can do with that method. It also kind of keeps you aligned and keeps you on track. I think one of the things personally for me is that I don't really like have a, a, a set goal or like a visualization of what I want to like achieve because I'm just enjoying the ride. So the the issue with that though is that I don't have like a structured way to execute on everything that I want to, right? So having that kind of like combination of two things, like I'm going to probably steal both of these things and have an idea of what I'm doing, holding myself accountable for that, but also getting some long-term goals for what I want to do. Because that's that's something that I, has always escaped me and is something that I really want to work on. So I, I like the fact that we're doing that for you guys. And that also helps keep you organized. And also, I think too, to, to Christina's point, you can bump things in the future, right? Like if it's not working for you right then and there, and I, I hope that also translates to possibly like song ideas, like this song idea, this sound, we can bump to another track. It's not working for this one. Yeah. Or this this idea in my life right now, we just need to bump it back six months or a year or whatever. Yeah, we had a whole plan last year to go to Perth, Australia, <laughs> to go to to go to the studio that we've been working with, you know, the, the guy, Sam Ford, we've been working with. And Ian actually has family in Sydney. So we were going to go visit family and then go to the West Coast to stay like his studio is right on the beach and we were oh, going to go and we had this whole plan but it's like you can't <laughs> envision that the borders are going to be closed and completely right. locked down so it's like <laughs> right you know yeah. now i'm like hey man like uh, like mix a track you know it's just like that's where it is and it's just like all right this is going to migrate out of the plan you know but we can evolve the plan and we've got a new plan that's that's the reality but it's kind of funny how <laughs> we were like so stoked planning thank god we didn't buy tickets because yeah. we would i don't even know i've heard people having issues i'm sure because all all the airlines are are failing and they're they're going down pretty quick so mm-hmm. they need any kind of revenue that they can keep on so that whatever that ticket dollar amount they're just like we're gonna hold on to this it's okay you can just reschedule or something i don't know just uh we're gonna keep it it's fine don't worry about it it's my money now it's okay that's that, that's really great. And I, I like that. So I'm definitely going to steal that. What do you think keeps you guys motivated to continue to pursue this project? So I think I would say, one, I think we plan on just doing this project for the rest of our lives because it's like, <laughs> it's good. so easy and it's like right here. And we're always, we always like kind of want to make music. It's like, these, I just find music like so fun that I'm like, why right. would I not make music? But what also motivates us is to, like keep making better music and like kind of beat what we did before in a sense and like get it to the level where like we really would want to listen to it, you know, in the same way that we'd want to listen to our favorite bands in a sense, like, yeah, just have something that we can jam out to with our friends in the car or something, you know, just have that feeling of like, yeah, this is a dope track, you know? So it's not competition with other people. It's competition with ourselves to level up 
And then also it's just this idea of, hey, this is something pretty cool to leave for your, you know, posterity's sake. I don't know, like, you know, it's like, oh, you have your podcast recorded. Like, you don't even know, like, how is this going to, like, be in the history books one day, you know, right. <laughs> or like right. in the sense that it's like it's a time capsule of the moment, that particular moment in time. So that's why it's like the recordings we did in the past are just simply a snapshot of that moment in time that we did it. And I'd like to have more of those little scattered recordings around so that we can document our life. You know, a lot of the photos that have been taken digitally on like old cell phones and stuff have, I don't know where they are. Like, you know, I don't know in this day and age, we don't have photographs printed as much. I know I have like some archives on Facebook, but I hate Facebook. I don't use Facebook really other than to promote (laughs) music. But it's that idea of like, how can we preserve like what we do in our own way for people? I mean, and for ourselves, really, just like a moment in time. I like it. I think that's it. You guys were great. Thank you very much. Hey, thank you so much for having us because it's like, again, like, so it's so challenging with the pandemic and it's great to just talk to people. So (laughs) thank you. Definitely. Thank you.